Charlie McMahon with Lori Horseman. And Lori, it's, you had an amazing week. Uh, today we're going to talk about taking your thoughts captive, the importance of taking your thoughts captive. I want to do a little bit of review. Let's go back over last session. We talked a bit about uh, what dementia is. We'll talk about that. And, but first, what is it not? Again, just to grab a hold of the listener and say, yes, we want you to be aware of the signs and be taking preventative measures. But dementia is not forgetting your keys. Right. So I always do this, and I always tell people, don't diagnose yourself with this. So if you're one of those people, and I just did this conversation this past week, dementia is not a normal part of aging. So it's normal for you to slow down as you get older and take a little bit longer to learn something new. And dementia is also not stress brain. Stress brain is where and if you're guilty of this, don't don't say, oh my gosh, that's me. But being on your phone and then looking for your phone, saying, hold on a second, I can't mm -hmm. find my phone while mm -hmm. you're on it. That's normal. That's People do that because that's stress. Um, all kinds of things can happen in our world that cause us to get a little foggy, if you will. And that can be changes in medications, changes in diet, sudden life changes, the death and the loss of a spouse, a loved one, a pet. Um, changes in location, just even like moms, new moms, their brain fog is just unreal because they're, they're out of their daily routine. They're mm -hmm. out of that. So that's normal. That's not dementia. Um, even with older people, we see like urinary tract infections that can cause foggy brain and people automatically think, oh, it's dementia. Don't be so quick to slap that on everybody. There's a lot of things. Certain types of COVID now are causing foggy brain. Um, anesthesia. Some people take longer months to come up out of it and have it totally clear. That's not dementia. Mm. Dementia mm. is truly brain failure where you're losing words. You cannot find them. Even somebody jogging your memory doesn't help you to remember what it was. Repeating conversations because it's so important that you don't even remember you told somebody that you know five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. That's dementia. Getting lost um, going to from the grocery store and home and not remembering, how do I get home? Mm. That's dementia. Those are the things that you look for. Um, too complicated to write a check and balance your checking account so you just don't pay the bills. That's dementia. Hmm. But being stressed out and forgetting things, that's not dementia. That's just life. We, we um, I think the thing that's exciting about this emerging ministry is that, is that we're going to be able to equip both those who are interested in preventing and then those who are dealing with loved ones who have been diagnosed or need to be diagnosed uh, real quick, because we may have a listener for the first time, dementia isn't predetermined, right? It's not. It's it's not something that. Sorry, you you lost the uh, DNA lottery, and now you're going to have dementia uh, again. With that balance of we 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 have caution, but yet this is not fatalism, fear-based fatalism. Tell the listener again what the numbers are regarding uh, dementia and totally destroying that notion that it's genetic. So I want you to hear this, is that the only person that we know that is born with the plaque on their brain is a baby with Down syndrome. That's it. And even that doesn't always develop into dementia. If that child then grows on to procreate, hmm. they're carrying the APOE genetic marker, and it's only 1% is genetic. Only 1%. We've known this, but there is this fear-based. So I don't want you to think that just because your mom, your dad, your brother, your uncle, what you learn is your lifestyle and your behavior habits from them. 
You've learned to handle your stress the same way, to eat it or drink it the same way, to be the same cyclical negative thinking same way. Mm. So it's not hereditary in the sense of genetics. It's hereditary in the sense of your learned behavior, if that makes sense. That's a great delineation right there. Mm -hmm. Yes, you did inherit some things unconsciously, right. correct? Mm -hmm. Well, let's transition into today. Um, the 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 verse that we were talking about pre-recording is is uh, so instructive to this subject matter. It's almost I guess it would probably we would call it the official verse of Mind Hope in Second Corinthians chapter ten verse five. Um, the Apostle Paul says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I love that idea. We see right there this, this I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim of the world, what it does to me. And in particularly the context there is opposition to the gospel. But that transcendent principle there is we're not victims of what people say about us on social media. We're not victims of, of, of our family of origin mm -hmm. and what they say about us or have said to us. We can take captive every thought. Now, obviously, we don't make name names here, but we do go into real-life situations. So, for example, you're dealing with a situation this week where the intervention of that truth is urgently practical. Uh, give a little bit of the background of a scenario, a typical scenario you're painting this week of someone who is dealing with caring for a loved one who was not um, particularly upbuilding, you know, right. <laughs> encouraging to them growing up. Uh, describe that scenario and what you're doing right now, because I know there will be people listening that will just go, yep, that, that's what I needed to hear. So as children, we grow up and our parents try to shape and define us. And sometimes it's not always the healthiest things. And this particular woman I'm working with right now, she's in her early 50s, and she is the primary caregiver for her dad, who is in mid to late stages of dementia. And it's tough because he was an abusive, alcoholic, rough, mean, um, beat her up, literally emotionally, physically, mentally. And she distanced herself from him for quite some time. But now there's no one left to take care of him. And he is in the part of his life where he needs care. And this is not an uncommon story. I could take this woman's story, and it's I've heard it 75 times in just the last month, is like, I can't do this with this man. Because she's she re keeps replaying in her head all the trash that he said about her. And she took it captive, and she held on to the wrong things. And what I try to explain to people is that you need to treat your mind as though there's levels here. And you have to take captive of what you want and then don't let certain things into the most inner sanctuary parts of that brain. you got to hold on to this because what you bring in is going to take root and it's going to grow. And what's happening now is that she's trying to take care of this man who is her father and we're called to honor our mother and our father. But she's having a hard time with this because honestly her first gut reaction is I want to walk away from him and can I please put a pillow over his face? I'm like, no, that's frowned upon. So it's difficult. She's struggling with this. Mm. How do we get past everything that we've grown to know and resent and literally just hate towards this individual. But now I've got to take care of this person. And this person isn't even the same person that took, this was not even my father anymore. I'm seeing this whole different version of him and he's somewhat nice and he's weak and he's feeble and he needs my help. 
but I still remember those things he said about me. Mm. So it's like, all right, this is tough. And this causes so much guilt. And when I say caregiver guilt, it's not just I feel guilty because I can't do enough. I feel guilty because I don't want to do it for you. I don't want to do this. And, and this, is, this is common. This is so if a, yes. if a listener is going through that, those guilt mm-hmm. feelings, this, you're not alone. No, not at all. And I can help you with this because this is where, when we talk about journaling, this is really your only saving grace because you're going to have to, you've got three things happening here all at once. You have no choice. You have to take care of this individual because we just don't have the money anymore to like put them over here. Or if you did put them into a place to take care of them, now here comes the guilt. Should I be showing up? Shouldn't I be acting like I care? Shouldn't I be there every day making sure he's all right? Or can I just walk away? That's one form of it. If you have the ability to bring him into your house, now here comes the anger that he's disrupting my life again. Mm -hmm. Here we go again. But I can't tell anybody that because I'm supposed to look like I'm the dutiful, you know, obedient daughter taking care of this individual, but no one knows what the hell he put me through. Mm -hmm. Or even better, the family says, okay, it's all yours, sis, take it. And you're like, now I'm doing this again by myself. And then here comes the guilt at night. You know, you're you're not sleeping and your whole life is disruptive. And then you keep replaying these things in your head. And you're like, well, I have the right to be angry. But I don't, I really have the, and it's just back and forth Mm -hmm. of what society's telling you. And then this poor woman gets judged by the community thinking, oh my gosh, this poor weak man needs you to take care of him. Why can't you just step up and do it? So it's all this stuff that just keeps going on because over here where I work, you know, I've got my caregivers judging this poor woman for not being there thinking she's cold, but they've never walked in her shoes to Mm -hmm. know what got her to this point. So I see this on both sides. Yes, we advocate for the person who has dementia. It's a horrible disease, but at the same time, not every person who has dementia was a sweet, loving, kind individual before they got there. Yeah. Yeah. And it matters what you take captive. Let's go into some practical actions that a person today, either as uh, a, a, a good, healthy relationship, they're caring for that, nurturing that was good, or e- either way, it's, it's difficult either way, or a toxic relationship in which they're trying to intervene and care. Then you say the, the one way that, that everybody can deal with the toxicity that's uh, the extant there is journaling because mm-hmm. in journaling you take out the trash right so speak into that uh because i when we talk about journaling sometimes people think hey we're talking about three pages a day where you have mm-hmm. to write there is a very focused intent with journaling that is relevant to those past toxic thoughts and mm-hmm. that are now coming back speak through that and and just take us through what happens when um, Jane, as we'll call her, sits down every day and says, "Okay, I need to take out the trash. Okay. I need to take out these thoughts." If you, and this is what we were talking about, and I know I keep hammering away on this, but I need you guys to try this just for 21 days and then just do a quick checkup and see how you feel. But the act of journaling does five major components, and if I could put electrodes on your brain and have a recording going while you're journaling and then go back and read what you wrote and watch what your brain was doing, it's amazing. So first things first, what are you gonna journal about? There's always something that's on the back of your mind that you're trying to bury and walk away from. It's knocking on that inner sanctuary. Turn around and address it. Don't let it in, turn around and address it. What is it? 
Is it, did you read something negative about yourself on social media? Did your boss say something, but it wasn't quite, the timing mm -hmm. wasn't quite right? What is it? It can be the littlest things. And it doesn't always have to be huge, traumatic childhood stuff. Because trust me, you can't make a new memory without using the old ones. And if the old ones are, re are framed incorrectly, everything coming in is going to be tainted with that toxic, if that makes any sense. So start with that thing that happened today. And the act of journaling immediately starts to reduce your stress, immediately. We call it a meditation tool. You're just writing, but you really have to take pen to paper and start writing it mm -hmm. because it starts to unleash like all of the junk that you're trying to pack in there, if you will. I had a, <laughs> I had a dental hygienist once say it's like scraping plaque. It all starts to come once mm -hmm. you start to scrape at it. Mm -hmm. So think of it like that, if you will. We're going to scrape it And especially if you yeah. do it every day and you don't mm -hmm. let it build up, it's you start to easier scrape to, scrape, it off. to scrape it off. Yeah. So we're going to scrape it off. So it starts to reduce your stress. Here's the cool thing. The minute you start to reduce your stress, you are automatically improving your immune function. It starts to strengthen everything in your brain and it strengthens immune function. Because the act of journaling actually reduces inflammation in your brain. If you could see that happening and you realized how easily it happened, you would do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Because inflammation is your brain is dementia. It is brain fog. It does lead to brain damage, brain failure, brain cancer. Inflammation in your brain is not good. Easiest way to do this one is journaling. If you don't want to do the diet and exercise, do the journaling part. It's easier. Sex thing it does is it keeps the mm -hmm. memories sharp. It actually starts to help you increase your working memory because you're hitting the recall button from what happened today. Mm increases that working memory, working memory as it improves, keeps you from getting dementia. This we know is a proven fact. As it keeps going and you keep doing that, now it starts to boost the mind. And what happens is when you get that boost, you get an immune booster and it makes you happy. It's releasing serotonins. Your brain doesn't want to hold on to the trash. So the more you start to scrape, it's like, oh, let's get rid of this too. And let's get rid of this too. And it starts to become, you start to flow like a mad person writing quickly and it starts to come down quickly. And then as that ha starts to happen, you're reducing stress, you're improving your immune system, you're boosting your mood, here comes the emotional function. Mm -hmm. Now you can function like a full, healthy human being. It literally helps regulate your emotions, it improves your overall outlook, it improves your coping skills. You don't hold on to that negativity as negative. Your brain literally will reframe those past memories and find the positive in it and let go of the trash. Mm. It's amazing what it does. Yeah, and and I, uh, you know, we we again, there's a notion with journaling that you got to be really spiritual with mm -mm. it. And you have to be poetic prose that is that is no. worthy of being read. That's not the intent, is it? What do you say for that taking out the garbage? What what is it? Is there a minimum? You know, don't just two sentences and you're done. But um, would you say on average there's a minimum of a paragraph, Honestly, a page? Like, it can uh, be five to eight minutes. Um, and it doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, some, there's some days I wouldn't be proud to let anybody yeah, read sure, what I wrote. Sure. But this is between myself and I. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. This is me being raw and real. And it can be a page. It can be a paragraph. I had some people that are like, I could stop. I just kept calming. And I'm like, keep dumping. Mm -hmm. Some days, if you've gotten this done you might not need as much mm -hmm. because you've got the emotional back under control. Mm -hmm. Your coping skills are working. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have a healthy mind, honestly, you can cope through it during the day, and it's just a little bit that's coming out at mm -hmm. night. Just a few things like, oh, I, you know, that kind of bothered me. I'm going to kind of journal about that and let that go. So when do, generally speaking, when would you journal? Do you, do, and, and do you recommend morning or night? Or, or you know, as we, we know that before you go to sleep, 
what you think before you go to sleep is very critical yeah. to sleep being a part of that garbage dump. Yep. Um, a lot of a lot of the schools of thought on neurologists are at night. We all kind of believe, like I, my background is in neuropsychology. It's nighttime because you've gone, you've literally caught, you've caught pollution during mm-hmm, the day. You look mm-hmm. at that build up. The course yeah. of the day. So if you're one of those people that feels like I got to shower at night to get it off me, you got to do the same thing with your brain yeah, at night. Yeah, you really have image. to clean it off because yeah. you've caught things throughout the course of the day. You don't even realize maybe you grabbed. You, you mm-hmm. probably don't even realize you saw something there and go, "What a jerk! He cut me off in traffic." You know what? That just took root. And it might just be something as simple as like, let that go, you know, let that go. That person who didn't even open the door for me, you, you, you made a judgment. Get that off of you. Mm-hmm. So I'm a firm believer that you want to take the trash out at night and reset your brain for the following day. And before you're done with that journaling exercise. And if you can at night, morning is still fine. B- fine. Morning's fine. Lunch or but whatever. But you will but sleep it's... better at night mm-hmm. because it's that REM sleep now that can actually go to work and repair the brain and rebuild and put new regrowth in there because you took the trash out. Mm-hmm. So I think if you look at the brain, you, the brain it reheals itself and repairs itself at night. So if you can do that at night, oh my gosh, you'll sleep so much better. Mm-hmm. You really will. Yeah. And you know, so many of our dreams are just those fears emerging because they, that's, it's, it's the evidence of some gunk that's it's, there. It's your the brain's trying to cope there, with it. Trying to cope, yeah, mm-hmm. trying to process it. Um, I know I'm a morning journaler, so I usually begin with the word yesterday. And mm-hmm. just it's, it's game film for me. I'm mm-hmm. reviewing yesterday. What am I thankful for? Do you do you use a keyword like today? So if you do it at night, you say today. Yeah. I, uh, that that word is... Well, here we go again. Or yeah, today, okay. you're yeah. not going to believe this. Yeah. and Or I'm, I can't believe I'm still focused on this one more day. And mine will start off. And then there are actual... Um, there's a workbook that I can share with people that have journal prompts. If you're like, I can't even get started with this. It'll ask your, you just ask a question. Mm-hmm. What happened today that had you feeling not so good about yourself? Mm-hmm. And like, boom. Or it might have been, hey, what happened today that was a real shocker and surprise you and you thought man that was kind of funny mm-hmm. you know just it's not all negative and it doesn't need to be negative I mean sometimes coping skills are like I couldn't even cope with how somebody gave me a compliment today mm-hmm. and, and that's that's a tough one for me sure um sure. and so it's like we there's journal coping skills but you said something that was just important you said you're thankful you have to reframe it too so when you journal mm-hmm. the very last thing you have to do now is you took the taken the trash out now you have to reline the can if you will mm-hmm. So you reline it with what were three things today or yesterday, if you're talking about it yesterday, that really surprised me that were positives. Mm -hmm. What did I see? And this is your working memory. This is your recall memory. It could be something as simple as the guy in front of me bought my coffee at Starbucks. Or I saw a lady actually struggling with the door and her kids and the man stops, turned around and literally came back and opened the door. That's a positive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like, I won the lottery. No. And it, and it can't be those things like, well, I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my job. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. What did you see today? Make your brain find it, recall it and focus on the positive. That's fantastic. Because when you do that, you're restructuring how you see the world. You do that for 21 days. Here's what's interesting. The journaling becomes less and less negative and more and more positive. Mm. And you sleep better and you reframe. Like we were talking about, you could go through the exact same experience as a friend. You reframed it more in a positive light. They reframed it in a negative light. But you Mm -hmm. lived the exact same experience yesterday. But you didn't see it the same way. Why? Because you don't focus on the negative now. And so many of us grew up in negative, bent environments where we were taught 
and Sherry a few years ago, my wife, Sherry, she, she started uh, when that was a really a big thing a few years ago, that gratitude journal movement. She told me the other day, I walked in her the other day, I said, what, you, what's your list look like? She goes, I'm up to 14,127 things. Mm-hmm. Four, I mean, so think about the effect of her on her, her brain yeah. every day. She's saying, yesterday I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. Real quick before we end, one of the things that I started practicing during COVID when everything was nailed down, was coming loose, was Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things, and the, and the God of peace will be with you. The mm-hmm. peace of God that transcends understanding will be with you. And when I hear you say that about being thankful, that's what I hear is make sure you seal that you know that with the new clean garbage bag mm-hmm. of of gratitude positively find things our brains our default setting is fear because it's a survival mechanism but you right. can't live with that no you can't live with that Lori, thank you i i you know, again if you walk away from today just remembering second corinthians 10 5 take captive your thoughts don't drift into normal human thinking, normal familial thinking, how your family thought, take it captive. I know for me, I was raised in a family, God bless our family, that if things are going well, they're about to change and go negative, right? And, <laughs> she's going to drop. Exactly. <laughs> the other she's going to drop any second. And when I ever I joke about that, oh, you'll hear people go, oh, it's exactly like, like that's not unique, mm-hmm. is it? That's actually quite common. Yep. We think our family was the only one that thought that way, but that's, that's not yeah. that's not the case. It was a survival mechanism, especially in my case with parents who were depression era parents. You know, they were just waiting for the market, so to speak, yep. to crash. And Lori, thank you. I hope today that we'll get some journalers started who uh, are facing some negative circumstances, some trying circumstances, and you'll begin to take captive your thoughts, and then take that trash out. Thank you. Until next time on the Mind Hope podcast, uh, this is Charlie and Lori.